If you will be turning in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3, we're going to look at a very familiar passage here. I hope it's familiar. If not, then we'll look at it again, maybe for the first time for some of you. Just very, very blessed to be here this morning. Glad that you're here. If we have any visitors in our midst, uh, thank you for your presence. I know we do. I met uh, a lady earlier this morning, and we are grateful for your presence. Um, if you will, fill out one of the cards there in front of you. It should be a card there in the pew, and uh, we'd love to have a record of your attendance. Many, uh, many ancient civilizations had... Um, rivers uh, there in their midst, oftentimes uh, they would build a city and a civilization close to a body of water for the obvious reasons, to have water uh, to live, uh, to, to use for their uh, crops, uh, ancient ways of, of irrigation. Many of those civilizations um, would worship or they had a river that they thought was sacred uh, if you think about the Nile River to the Egyptians, uh, in India, there are many sacred rivers to the people, the Ganges probably being uh, the most uh, popular that we think about uh, in those terms, uh, but not so with the Israelites. Um, we're going to look at a text this morning where the Israelites came to the Jordan River, and it was not something that was to be uh, worshipped, but it actually was a barrier uh, keeping them uh, from where they wanted to go or where they needed uh, to go. Um, Jordan, the Jordan River, that name comes from a Hebrew word which means to descend or come down. You remember last uh, Sunday we were talking um, about uh, Caesarea Philippi um, the base of Mount Hermon where that water, that tributary, there are three different tributaries that come together to form the Jordan River. Um, <clears throat> Rob was up here this week doing some stuff with the, um, um, the food uh, pantry and the giveaway, and, and he came in and he, was, he showed me some pictures that he took of Caesarea Philippi. Um, when they were there, what, three years ago, I think, uh, on, a, on a tour of the Holy Lands. And I was just sitting there looking at these pictures. I showed you pictures that I pulled off of the Internet. He was showing me pictures that he had taken with his own phone. That was really, really cool. I hope to make that trip someday. But there at the base of Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon is about 9,000 feet high. Um, I think I got something here. Mount Hermon is about 9,000 feet. If you look all the way up at the very top of this, um, where the headwaters begin, Mount Hermon. And so from 9,000 feet where those waters originate all the way down to the Dead Sea where the Jordan River empties into, the Jordan River um, flows it down into the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is about 1,400 feet below sea level, one of the lowest places on earth. It's part of the Rift Valley that runs, starts here at Mount Hermon and runs all the way down into Africa, the Rift Valley, thousands of miles long. So 
The Jordan River, when you just look at it, it's not a really wide river, um, not really wide at all, but for the size of the river, it was one of the fastest flowing rivers around because of how far, how high it originates and how low it goes. Um, we think about it being maybe very calm or very still like some rivers that we know. Not, it's not like the Ohio River that we, some of you see almost every day or the Mississippi River. It's not wide like that, but it was very fast flowing. Um, and so the, you see here, uh, kind of a picture of that Rift Valley where, where the Jordan River is. And in our text today, uh, they come right across Jericho. They find themselves there at the Jordan River, right across from Jericho. The Jordan River is mentioned 181 times in the Old Testament. I read yesterday and counted all of them up 181 times. No, I didn't read it yesterday. I, someone told me that. But 18 times in the New Testament, the Jordan River is mentioned. So the children of Israel left Egypt. They went to Mount Sinai where they received the law, the covenant from God. Over here on the left side, they were in Egyptian bondage for over four centuries. You remember that God told Moses, he called him to, to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. But because of their lack of faith, because of their rebellion and their disobedience, they wandered in the wilderness for how long? Wake up, everybody. Forty years. They wandered around this place for 40 years. Sometimes if you look at where they went, they, they looked like they crossed over themselves. They, they met themselves coming and going. They, they were just wandering there really for the purpose uh, for them to die out. All of those who rebelled and did not have faith, um, they wandered for 40 years so that they could all die out. Uh, only Moses, well, Moses didn't get to go, but only Joshua and Caleb were allowed to enter into the promised land. They are to be God's people in this new land, witnesses so the world will know that he is God. What would a group of people look like who loved God with all of their hearts, who kept his law? Remember, Moses brought the law down that God gave to him, and God said, if you will keep these laws, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And they say, we can do it. We'll do it. And so they entered into this covenant. And the design was, the desire of God was, what would a people look like who lived by faith, who walked by faith, who loved God with all of their hearts and kept his commandments? What would that look like to the rest of the world? What kind of testimony would that be to the rest of the world? But because of their lack of faith, they had to wander for 40 years. And now, now they've come to the Jordan River across from Jericho. Uh, they are to cross it. Let's see what I got here. There's a picture of the Jordan River. Very, very smooth, very calm. It wasn't like this back in this day, not even in Jesus' day. Today, just south of 
the Sea of Galilee, they've built a dam and they control the flow of the water. That's a very, that's a political hotbed uh, over there in the, in the Middle East about who controls that water. But a lot of times the Jordan River looks like this, but this is not the way it looked when they were uh, about to cross it. Um, I want you to think more uh, in terms of this or maybe in terms of this. Uh, and our text is going to tell us that in addition to the natural swift flow of this river, um, just on a daily basis, we're at flood stage. So it's not even like this. It's, it's crazy high and crazy fast, what we're going to think about in our text this morning. The children of Israel have now come to this river. They're supposed to cross it, and God's going to give them the land, the land of promise. Uh, each of the tribe is going to take a section uh, and they're going to live there to show the world what it would look like for a people who loved God with all of their heart and who lived by faith. There's a vast number of people at the river's edge. Uh, some estimations would say maybe up to two million people. Um, Moses led through the wilderness, and at this time they've all died out, but their new children have been born, so I'm not sure how many people, but there's a vast number of people at the barrier of the Jordan River, and there's, it's a barrier for them now between where they are and what God has in store for them. So the citizens of Jericho, um, across from the river, they worshipped many different gods, uh, the fertility gods, a lot of what we talked about last week there in Caesarea Philippi. They also worshipped those fertility gods, but they uh, namely worshipped Baal, B-A-A-L, Baal. And you know what Baal was the god of, among other things? He was the god of water, the god of rain, the god of thunder and lightning and water. So now God's people are on the banks of the Jericho. God is, is telling them to cross the Jordan to go into the promised land. That, that's why we sing all these songs about, about crossing over the Jordan, because uh, we, we use it uh, to, to think about the promised land of heaven. We talk about crossing Jordan. Uh, we talk about when people die. They cross the Jordan to get into the promised land. This is literally what was happening with the children of Israel. God had led them to this place. All those that rebelled, all those who, who didn't have faith have died, and now God is ready to take them, uh, Joshua as their new leader, into the promised land. So, the, is, uh, so the, the Canaanites, those living in Jericho, they feel like they're protected. Their God, Baal, uh, the water is at flood stage. There's no way these Israelites, this vast army of people can, can come over and get to them. Uh, in their eyes, they're thinking, I guess, that, that Baal is, is going to give them protection. To the Israelite, the dividing of the Jordan was going to be a testimony, a testimony that God was not just more powerful than nature. Listen to me. What we're fixing to read, the parting of the Jordan was not just going to be a testimony to the children of Israel that, that Yahweh the God that they serve, the only true and living God, was more powerful than nature. 
but that he was also more powerful than the false gods of the Canaanites, than the, than, than the Baal, this, this god of water that might be protecting them. The Canaanites think they're protected. The Israelites are wondering how we're going to get across, how we're going to get across this swollen river. See if I got anything else there. Oh, yeah, let's just leave it up there. I want you to know that that's not an actual photograph, right? (laughs) That's not an actual photograph. That's an artist's depiction. Let's look at Joshua chapter 3. Let's just pick up in the, at the beginning of the chapter. Early in the morning, Joshua and the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing the river. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. Keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up, and went ahead of them. And the Lord, Yahweh, he said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that's the, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. The word of the Lord. 
God says, I will part the river. What stands as a barrier between you and what I have in store for you, I'm going to part that river. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it dry where you'll cross on, cross over. But nothing, he says, nothing will happen until you take a step of faith. Nothing is going to happen until you put your foot in the water. Now, the river, the river is at flood stage. It's, it's swollen. It's, it's outside of its banks. Uh, it's already a fast-flowing river, but it's even, it's even crazier. The water is high. We're at flood stage. Um, this, this little picture here uh, shows kind of a, a gradual slope where the priest who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant are going in. But from what I'm understanding and what I've read about the Jordan River opposite Jericho there, that's not how this is. You know, sometimes you go on vacation and some of you like to go to the beach and you go to the sand there and you walk in and the water is, is not very deep and you can wade out for quite a ways with it just coming up over your ankles and maybe to your shin and your knees. And you can be quite a ways out there because it's such a gradual slope. But that's not the way the Jordan River is here. The banks are very steep. The water is, is, a, is pretty deep in the river, but now it's, it's at flood stage. So when those priests go down, uh, when they walk down into that water, when you're in, you're in. This, this may be a little bit better depiction. Again, not a real photograph. Um, but this may be a better depiction where the banks are really steep, and when the priests have to carry that, um, the Ark of the Covenant, when, when, they, when they go in the water, they're in. The water is either going to part, or they're going to be covered up and probably swept away. And what is it that they're carrying? The Ark of the Covenant, the most holy thing, that they have. The Ark of the Covenant, the place where God is, is said to meet with his people. They would set that up in the tabernacle, and the Shekinah glory of God would come down and dwell there uh, between the cherubim on, on the top of the, the Ark of the Covenant. It's called the mercy seat. It's called a mercy seat for a reason, because God, the presence of God is among his people. And the priests are going to carry that. And God is asking them to step into the swollen river, raging waters. You know, if I'd have been one of the priests carrying the ark that day, I might have been thinking to myself, wasn't I in front last week? You know, maybe it's your turn. You go first, and I, I'll be in the back. You know, but let, we could, maybe we could cast lots and see who has to carry in the front. Because what I'm saying to you, it, it wasn't a stick your toe in the water and let's see what happens. It's you're all in. I mean, you're, you're in, and you've got to be totally committed. That's what God is telling them. The priests are going to carry the ark, which represents my presence among you, and they're going to step into this water, 
when they're in, they are all in, over their heads, or either the water is going to part. You know, they could have said, God, show us your glory. Show us your power. God, let us stand here, and let's, let's just see this thing part. Let's just, you know, we'll just be amazed at how powerful you are, and then we'll walk through. But that's not what God asked of them. That's not what, that would have been, that would have been awesome, wouldn't it? That would have been amazing to just to step back and say, look at what God can do. But God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to part these waters, but it's not going to happen until you take a step of faith, until you're all in. And that's when I'll, that's when I'll do it. God's power would only be unleashed when they took a step of faith. You know, often God acts when people make that total commitment. God could do anything God wants to do. Would you agree with that? God can do what he wants to do. But it seems that God is, is wanting to partner with us, wanting us to take that step of faith before he unleashes his power. We need to be willing to say, God, my life is there before me. You've called me uh, to do some things. You've called me to become someone. And instead of me standing here and, and waiting for, for you to remove every obstacle, every barrier in my path, so that I can walk through, you know, unscathed. I'm going to step out in faith. And I'm going to be totally committed to you. I think that's what God is, is looking for. You know, Jesus, he said, when, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? That's really what God's looking for. <laughs> God, you know, there are a lot of good things that we, we can do, that we need to do, that the people of God ought to be about. I mean, you know, feeding the hungry, clothing, uh, taking care of, of young children, fostering. We, we, we've, we've entered into that. James and Lisa are, are leading the way, and we as a, a body of people are going are gonna to surround them and come alongside of them. That's a beautiful thing. We ought to be doing it. But what God is looking for is faith. Will they be a people of faith? See, because you can't take care of children without faith. You can't step out and, and do this thing or that thing unless you have faith. I mean, we can do a lot of things on our, on our own power, our own intellect, our own merit. We can look in the bank account and see, do we have the money? And then we can do some things. But God's looking for a people who are willing to step out in faith, step into the water, not knowing if it's going to part or not, but just trusting that God is going to keep his word and knowing that if we'll step out and be totally committed that God's power would be unleashed in our lives. And I'll just be honest with you, that, that's kind of frightening sometimes. 
That's kind of frightening. We prayed this morning. Um, a handful of us were praying this morning before service began. And it, and it crossed my mind, and, I, and I, I thought about Moses when he went up on the mountain, how the people, the, the, the people were, were so afraid. The, the voice of Yahweh, the, the holiness of God in their presence, and they, and they, they shrank back from that. They're like, you, you go talk to God. You go for us while we stay here because it is a frightening, terrifying, wonderful, marvelous thing to be in the presence of a holy God. But where else, where else would you want to be? I mean, God is calling us to things that, that unnerve us at times, that move us away from our comfort. But we've got to be willing to say, God, I, I'm not going to hang back and just wait for you to part the waters and remove every barrier. I'm going to step in faith because I know that faith is what you're requiring, what you're looking for, and that's what will unleash your power. When we make that commitment, I think God acts God wants us all in. God demands that we're all in. But we've got to take that first step. We must be willing to confront our culture. There's a Jericho in front of all of us. What will we do? Matthew chapter 3. Jesus comes to the same river, the same Jordan River centuries later after the, the Israelites cross over. John the Baptist is immersing people. He's baptizing people. He's, he's uh, preaching a, a baptism of repentance. What does that mean? It means to turn away, turn around, Go in a different direction from where you've been heading. He's preaching a baptism of repentance. He's telling them that the kingdom of God is near. There is a, a new way of life that's coming. And notice here in Matthew chapter 3. Beginning of verse 13. The word of the Lord says... Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he, stepped, uh, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. 
with him I am well pleased. Jesus went down into the water. The Spirit uh, was hovering overhead. Does that remind you of anything else in Scripture? When the Spirit of God was, was hovering over the water? It reminds, it reminds you of creation, doesn't it? Don't let that be lost on you, okay? When in, in Genesis, the very beginning, when God was creating the heavens and the earth, it says that the earth was without form and it was void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the water. And then out of that, what did the Spirit do? Created. Out of chaos, out of darkness, out of nothingness, the Spirit hovering over the water brought creation and brought order to everything that we see. When Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan, he comes up out of that water and it says the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And the voice of God says, this is my son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. It's as if Jesus, when he comes up out of that water, is bringing order into the chaos. He's bringing a new way of life, a new way of living, a new creation is being brought forth, is being born. Love is the new law. Christians are now the ambassadors of this new way of living. A loving, caring, better way of doing things. Every time you bring this new order, this new creation into someone's life, love for hurt, mending brokenness, comfort for pain, beauty for ashes. Whatever you bring to, the, to a broken world, to a broken person, you're bringing in, you're ushering in this new creation. But you've got to take a step into the water. You've got to take a step of faith. Why, why does God want to partner with sinful men and women? <laughs> Have you figured that out yet? I mean, God could do whatever God wants to do. I believe that God is sovereign and that he is all-powerful and he can do whatever he wants to do, ever how he wants to do it. And in a moment, in an instant, God could proclaim his goodness, uh, his gospel to every living creature on the planet, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, in every village, in every city, in every hamlet, everywhere. In a moment, God could make himself known. But he's, he's chosen not to do that. He's chosen to partner with weak, sinful men and women who would put their faith in him, who would trust him,
who would believe in him, who would say, God, I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm afraid, but I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to, I'm going to step into the water, and I'm, I'm trusting that you've already gone before me and that those waters will part, whatever that barrier is in your life, that God is going to take it out of the way. But what God wants, what he's, what he's asking, is that he, he wants to see a step of faith. He wants you to step out into the water. We're not just sticking our, sticking our toe there and then, you know, coming back. God wants us all in. God wants us all in. And what's the worst thing that could happen to you? What if you, what if, what if you stepped out into the water and the water was deep, and the water didn't part, and the water swirled above your head, and you went down to the depths and down to the abyss, and you died. What's the worst thing that could happen to you? Go to heaven. <laughs> Am I right? You say, Ronnie, I'm scared. I'm scared to step out in faith. I'm scared too. We walk in these bodies of flesh. They, they, they tell us, don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trick. The water is going to be too deep. And the water is deep. But God is more powerful. God is saying, step out into the water. Wade out a little bit deeper. Trust me. Whatever barrier is keeping you from being where I want you to be, I'll, I'll take that barrier away. But I need to see your faith. I need to see that you trust me. I need to know that you know that I am God and that nothing is too hard for me. He just wants to see us step out in faith. Well, anyone here this morning step out in faith and say, I trust you, God. I don't know where you're leading me. I don't know how you're going to lead me. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm afraid of where you might lead me. But will anybody step out in faith this morning and say, God, I trust you. I know you've got this. I put my faith and my hope and my trust in you. Maybe you need to do that by becoming a child of God this morning. What is stopping you from making Jesus the king of your life? Step out in faith. Will you step out in faith this week? Somebody that's on your relational map that you've been praying for. Maybe God is, is, is nudging you to speak to that person this week. Will you step out in faith? Will you just step into the water and say, God, I'm just going to trust that you'll part the water for me. Would you do it? I know you want to. You wouldn't be here this morning. 